Thank you so much for joining me. I have got William Marquis, who is a grain farmer as well as a financing specialist with RBC. And so very excited to have you with me here, Will. Thanks, Michelle. It's good to be on. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to sort of sharing, you know, a little bit about our farm operation and as well as uh, what I do at RBC. It's a unique job. Um, I get an upfront look at a lot of different things uh, with a diverse group of businesses. So it's, um, it should, hopefully it's beneficial. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely sure it will be. And this is out of my wheelhouse. So um, I'm probably going to ask a lot of silly questions, but that's okay. So I, I think I'm going to get a lot out of this as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you farm and just about your farming operation in general. Yeah, so I actually, uh, for the last couple of years, I was living in southwestern Ontario while I worked for the bank, and I just moved home to Lindsay, um, the Lindsay area. We actually farm in uh, Oakwood, Little Britain, which is about 15 minutes southwest of Lindsay. Um, our farming operation right now, we have around 2,000 acres and uh, a beef feedlot, uh, 700 head or so. Um, one of the other, I guess, core interesting things about our operation is we, we do uh, commercial snow removal in the wintertime and then some light construction and uh, municipal services in the summertime. So it, it's fairly diverse. It, it gets a little bit hectic at times, um, but, you know, it, I guess it's better than uh, having a four-month holiday in the winter. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think in farming, right? I mean, we've all seen different parts of the sector kind of go for a dive um, in one year or another. So being able to diversify like that probably definitely makes the farm to feel a little bit more stable. And uh, I know from our experience too, having some of those snow removal contracts in the winter, just, yeah, exactly. Giving you a reason to get outside and keep busy and keep the equipment busy is awesome. Yeah. And you know what? I think it just, uh, it synergizes well with the cash crop and when when you're trying to pay off equipment and certain things and um as well as keep uh certain employees busy for 12 months a year it, it synergizes well with that operation on our, of our business so yeah absolutely and so speaking of employees just give us an idea of who is involved on your farming operation in terms of family and employees and then what role you play in it currently so currently right now, uh, my brother and uh, between my brother and my dad look after most of like the the day-to-day, -day, well, my brother looks after most of the day-to-day -day farming activities. And then from uh, management and op like strategic operational level, they, they make like the farming decisions. And um, so we have about, you know, two or three seasonal employees there on the snow removal and the commercial uh, landscaping side we generally have around 15 full-time employees and then in the winter time it can go up to about 30 to 45. wow wow that is quite impressive depending yeah it really depends on we have people come and go in the winter time and then it also depends on uh, how busy we are we we haul snow as well as uh plow snow so sometimes those two activities meet 
when we're plowing and we have to haul it at the same time. So that's when it gets a, that's when it gets hectic. Yeah. Right. So those storm removal activities then, would that be more so in some of the surrounding cities then? Right now where we do it in the core of the lakes area, it works well for us. Um, because we're, we, we, this is where we live. We're able to service our customers well in this area. And, um, by being in the area, we, we drive by spots that we do, and we're always checking up on them, making sure that they're they're done well, and our guys are are doing a good job. Awesome. And then, what does yeah, what does the summertime look like then in a bit of that uh, commercial uh, landscape business? So we do some roadside mowing um, for municipalities. We uh, do asphalt repairs and paving for not uh, municipal roads, but for commercial parking lots, um, a little bit of municipal work in terms of uh, covering culverts, those kinds of activities. Um, and that, that seems like it, it's, a, it's, a growing, it's a growing part of our business just because when, like, like on the farm side, like I said before, with our tractors trying to synergize them in the wintertime, we're trying to, you know, synergize our employees in the summertime so we can have, keep more, uh, keep our, our people around and busy all year so that, you know, it, it reduces the amount of time it takes to train people. Um, they're comfortable with um, our, our activities and the way that we do things. So it's not like every October we're doing a complete overhaul and teaching a complete new group of people on how to do things. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got people with good experience, that definitely goes a long way. And I can imagine that there is probably potential for that business to grow for you guys, especially, I mean, this is a bit off topic, but I imagine you've probably seen a bit of migration from some people out of the city moving to your region in the last little while. So um, perhaps a bit of potential for you guys to expand on that side of things too. Yeah, there's, and you know, we have, um, we do some gravel haulage and, and things of that nature too now. And it's, it, it has taken on a, a little bit of a, like a beast of its own, I guess, if that makes sense. Like it, it it's almost become, uh, it, it's definitely between the farming and uh, our snow removal. They, yeah, like I said, they keep us hopping. That's awesome. Well, Good problem to have for sure. <laughs> I guess, yeah. You wouldn't want to be not busy. So, <laughs> for sure. Then, then, then we'd be into trouble. Uh, those bankers would be coming after us. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, so, yeah. Well, so speaking of the bank, so tell me uh, what led you to pursue a career in banking? Yeah. So, I guess um, currently I'm, I'm actually not in, I, I started out as an egg like in agriculture and then I moved to commercial um, but to be honest I I just started at the bank uh, because I wanted to try something new and um, I I don't know what it is like I came home after university and I was home for about a year and I just there's just something in me I said you know I, I went to school for accounting and I had the ability to you know go and do uh, my, my, my accounting designation 
and do the courses. And I knew I couldn't do it from home just because I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm living at home now and it's, I don't have any spare time and, um, which is fine, but it, you, sometimes you got to go do stuff, some for yourself, because if you have a bad day, you're like, man, I, I wish I went and tried that. So that I, I did do that. And, uh, well, that, that was my intention at that time. And so that summer I was applying to all these different accounting firms and, and all that, because I said, I got to go to the accounting firm if I want to do my CPA. And, uh, one of my friends at the bank, he uh, mentioned, Oh, this job's coming up in Brantford. And I said, well, I don't, I don't have anything I really want to do in Brantford, but I want to go do something <laughs> different and I got to get away from home to do it. So anyways, I applied to this job and, um, at RBC and this lady, uh, by the name of Gwen Paddock, um, been at RBC for a very long time, very, very knowledgeable. Um, she, uh, interviewed me one time and, uh, I was completely upfront with her. I said, Gwen, I, I love what I do now. It's going to be very difficult for me to leave, but I got to do it. And, um, I can't guarantee how long I'll stay, but that's, that's what I wanted to do. And I, I, I thought of it like almost like as a stepping stone and, you know, I hope, hopefully nobody at RBC, uh, here's that, but I, I was going to leave the bank in in probably four to five months because accounting firms, they want you to have a, uh, you know, a co-op or something going through school. So you get some experience. And the problem was driving tractors apparently isn't transferable to an accounting firm skills. Uh, yeah yeah would you believe it so my resume had you know these uh very uh you know meaningful skills that maybe weren't as useful in an accounting firm but um at rbc agriculture they really they they wanted people that understood agriculture so so that is uh where i ended up going and and it was uh no it, it was a really good decision and uh I've been there for the past two and a half years and I, I don't think I could even go work in an accounting firm now. I like the, I like the banking aspect of uh, things too much. Well, that's really cool to hear. And, um, I always find it interesting, just like kind of the path that people think that they're going to go on. And then quite often it deviates and I always find it really interesting just to see where people end up and, I think that is also some really good advice too if there is anybody that is younger listening kind of thinking about a couple of those different career paths just to you know hear a little bit about how you went about that and some of the experience that they'd be looking at. I also like cannot believe that you can't put on your resume you know all the hours you probably spent calculating <laughs> ROIs um, while on auto steer because that has got to count for something. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Eight, uh, nineteen-year-old uh, Will Marquis has mine on a maybe different things. <laughs> Not, yeah, he probably has mine on the Friday night, let alone a ROI and things like that. At that time, um, I guess I've changed a little bit since then. And yeah. um, and it's funny. Even the first four months at the bank, I said, I don't know if I, I don't know if this is for me. I. Uh, I wasn't too, too engaged in everything. And then I switched roles. I went in as like a commercial account manager, um, specializing in egg, like a trainee. 
And anyways, about four or five months in, I got a really good opportunity to become a financing specialist. And, and I'm really fortunate, I guess, that I got put into that position because I'm sure people at the bank are probably wondering, like, what in the heck is this punk? <laughs> you know, this is his first job ever. And he's coming in and he's uh, becoming a financing specialist in agriculture. But since I was doing my CPA at the same time, it allowed me to understand the technical things with financial statements. And then really what I had to do is just apply some of the operational things that we normally do at the bank to, to uh, you know, the, the, the analysis of uh, providing credit to farmers and people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, currently I, uh, about a year ago, I switched out of agriculture into uh, commercial banking. So it goes everything from retail, manufacturing, trucking, um, to your, your fast food restaurants, you like pretty much you name it. So my portfolio, um, it falls between um, anything from a $2 million borrower up to a $5 million borrower and any new money request for a commercial borrower um, about over 750,000. So if you, if you come and get new money then, or you want to like get a mortgage or a, um, a line of credit, I, I review the financials, um, the, the management and um, basically the, the business plan and, and line it up and say how much you or recommend to our credit department how much you can uh, you can receive so and um and how much we're, we're we're proposing for that client based on their financial metrics so and then as well um between and, and then the portfolio that i manage every year um we complete or Every bank in Canada, they, they have to complete an annual review. It's part of um, the OFSI or the, the financial requirements or, um, from the bank regulators. And so that's what I do. I go through and I um, help uh, put together the annual review for the client. And then, uh, yeah, then we can renew their facilities for the year. Wow. So that's a lot of decisions being made and a lot of money. Um, you know, in lines of credit and loan applications that cross your desk. So you've obviously had the opportunity to work with a lot of different business owners, a lot of different personality types, I'm sure. You know, are there any traits that you've kind of noticed uh, that make a really successful business owner? Yeah, and actually that, that you see, that's a tough one because First off, the, the biggest thing with business owners is, 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 is how they manage their time and if they can delegate. And delegating doesn't mean you have to know how they, you know, who they tell to get their morning coffee in the morning or, or things like that. You can see it. Like if somebody has set up their business, like they have a, um, a general, like, a, like supervisors, they have a controller they have multiple man different scopes of management. You can tell that they can delegate and, and manage their time correctly to, to make the decisions that are most important to their business. 
Um, the next biggest thing is integrity. That is one of the biggest things in the eye of the bank. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't really think it, but a lot of times, um, and what people don't realize is you, when you're not upfront with your, with your financial institution, they, they, um, just like a farmer would remember a bank not providing them credit. The bank will remember if you don't, if, if you, if you say something that isn't true or if you say, or if you, you don't disclose something and it will, it will be kept, you know, it, in the back of, um, like on file. And, you know, you have to make sure that you're, you're being, your integrity is there and you're being upfront. Like, um, people like successful business owners view the bank as a partner. Um, not like, uh, somebody that you just call up, uh, and shake the piggy bank every once in a while and you you work with that partner and if just like with um not that i'm married or anything i don't it's not in the works or anything but just like with like your partner or whoever you know if you're at home if you're not going to be up front and honest about things and uh not plan um and work with people then you're you're likely not going to have a very good relationship over a long period or over the long term so that that's one of the that's one of the things, and um, yeah, just just being very financially savvy, just understanding your cash flow, and just knowing where where you're at every day when you when you open up that door. And it sounds a little bit silly, but um, a lot of people don't realize. I think that when every time you turn the key on that door to go into your shop in the morning, or you drive into the yard there's dollars that are, that are ticking and to understand your overhead and how much is making that wheel turn every day. It is very important because it, 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 it makes your other bigger strategic decisions like to purchase that tractor to, um, you know, invest in more quota or what have you. It just makes it, a lot easier because you know how much you need left over to cover off all, um, just your day-to-day -day obligations and things. Those are some really awesome points. One thing that I have noticed just having the opportunity to work with multiple different kinds of business owners is that you really start to see that some people's strengths lie in different areas. And like you mentioned, you know, being very financial savvy, that's definitely a strength that some people have, but maybe not everybody does. So for the people that maybe that's not where they are the strongest, what would be maybe one or two suggestions that you have to those people on how they could build that skill set or maybe who they could work with to help them in that area? Yeah, certainly be, you're right. There's a lot of people and um, very good farmers and very good at growing crops. And we'll get to that, like I think in a bit, but um, they're not, when it comes to the books, they just, they can't get, they can't tie the knots and, and figure it out. And that's where it's really important. Like it's really important to work with your accountant and ask questions like, you know, how much does it cost me like every day to run this? And because where you'll get into trouble is, is when, you know, you're looking at things, um, from a broad level and say you, you, you go out and make some of like those bigger purchases, like a farm, um, 
quota or um, a tractor. If you don't understand and if, if, if you don't make adjustments to your daily expenses, you're, you're eating up um, your cash flow that is directed towards those things. So, and those are obligations that they have to be paid. And um, some of the de decisions that you make on a day to day or how many people you have hired and, and, um, and things like that, or some of the inputs that you put in the ground or on the crop, though, those can have a big impact um, when you're like, when you have to make those obligations. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. And then the other thing too is, sorry to interrupt, but like you ask, ask your banker and put them on the spot and ask them, listen, what do I need to do better? Because I, I see it and I deal with account, account managers at the bank and um, at our farm. And I, I find this uh, from talking with other account managers at the bank that, that also have farms. And I say, well, what's your account manager like? Because you know, you don't typically bank at, uh, at your, where you work. And a lot of them say that, you know, they come out, they're, they're proposing these large things and, uh, purchases and, uh, and plans, but really they, the financial advisory role that you're paying all this interest for and fees, it's not being capitalized on. So, Put them on the spot. Ask them, "What do I need to do better? What do you see here that uh, the bank wants to, like, wants me to do better?" And um, yeah, that's their that's their job. So they uh, they better be working for you that way. So, what would be some of the metrics that the bank is looking at? And say, I gave you an ideal business. You know, where would they kind of operate in within those <laughs> metrics in an ideal yeah. world? <laughs> yeah, nothing's ideal. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> But you're right. Yeah, it's a, and it is funny because you see some when you when you do see like such a, I guess, um, when you see a group of, of farms and that is one of the shocking things that you see farms that are in the same like they're they're doing the same thing but they have, they come out with totally different results. Um, so I guess that the biggest and and this is where I think a lot of farms lack. And it's it's worth like going and and researching and um, and figuring out what how your farm uh, measures up and hopefully it, it it comes across on the podcast okay but and some farmers might know about it but the first one is is EBITDA as earnings before income tax interest and uh, depreciation and amortization okay. I think I should know it. <laughs> I deal with it all the time, but <laughs> I always just say EBITDA and I'm just like, oh, where's the same word? No, but um, yeah, EBITDA is a very, very important metric. And um, I was, uh, you know, being home and going through some things and I always like to refer it to like as like a, as, as like a pie pretty much. And um, your, your EBITDA is your cash flow. And every time, you know, you make a purchase, um, like you buy a new tractor and it costs you $30,000 a year. That's a, that's coming out of your pie. Right. And in, you know, it keeps, it keeps checking off the more debt obligations that you have. So from a bank, I guess agriculture, it, it is different than commercial commercial. You typically like to see, uh, um, 
I guess, less of your pie used up. Agriculture, especially in Ontario, there's a lot of that pie that's been eaten up, it seems like. Um, but, and then that, you know, so your, your EBITDA is, it's like a short, um, it's like a quick way to calculate, approximately calculate your, your net cash flow at the end of the year. Um, so your ability to service debt. So your next biggest one is just understand, understanding your debt obligations and how many payments do you have every year. And um, then that, then with that, you can calculate your debt service coverage. And that to me is, it's very, very crucial for farms because cash flow is, is just everything when you want to grow. And in order to like, in order to grow, you have to, um, you have to finance things and, and, and apply for more debt. So you want to be able to understand that ratio. So, you know, okay, I want to bid on a farm potentially this year. How much can I afford to pay for it? Or, you know, I want to buy two tractors. How is that going to impact that ratio at year end? Because typically, um, if you want it to be about one to one, like at a absolute minimum, absolute minimum. And then, but most far, like, it, and it depends on the industry that you're in. So if you're in dairy, you know, one to one to 1.1 to one is okay. So you're um, servicing, you have, your cash flow is about 10% more than your debt obligations. Um, but in cash crop, you want to be a bit over that one to one or 1.1 to one ratio, I would say, and almost towards 1.4. That's getting a bit conservative. You don't see too many farms in Ontario that are that are at about 1.1.4. That's that's on the high end. Um, but it, and why I say cash flow is and uh, debt servicing is everything is because farms in on especially in Ontario and because that's really all that I've dealt with. They don't have a uh, equity issue because the value of the land and their quota continues to go up and up. So it's never as much of an issue as it, you sometimes have security issues um, depending on how leveraged an operation is. But the value of your farm continues to grow. And um, you, so typically your, your leverage, it, it isn't the equity is there um, where people get over leveraged is when their cash flow is just, it's going to take them too long to pay back how much debt they have against their equity, I guess. And um, you know, you have some operations in Ontario that might have $10 million worth of land, but can only service X amount, like a lot less than what that land's even worth. Like you might be able to borrow seven and a half million against that land, um, for security purposes, but you'll never be able to cash flow it. So that's why cash flow is so important in agriculture. That's awesome. Really good insight into that. So comparing that then um, on some of the commercial operations that you've been working with more recently, how do farm businesses compare to the rest of the world? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, I guess when I switched into commercial, I, um, it, I guess, and this is, I never really quite understood why um, the bank, 
had to have agriculture background people into that role. And now that I've been in commercial, I totally understand because sometimes things in agriculture don't make sense, <laughs> but you do it anyways. And um, yeah, like it's, so in commercial, it's, it's totally, it's, it's, it's a lot different. It's, it's like opposite um, commercial. It's a security issue. They typically don't have enough security um, for the debt that they want to borrow. And we look at it with a, a totally different lens. Um, commercial, your customer base is um, a lot more, like there's a lot more, it's a lot more risk prone. In agriculture, yes, you have, um, you have price fluctuations and you're dealing with the markets, but you, you do have risk mitigation tools to deal with that. And then, but then the biggest thing is you can always typically sell that grain if you want to. Commercial businesses, uh, they're, they're, especially during COVID, that's the, one of the biggest uh, times that we've, we've seen this. Your customer base could be gone in like a week if, if something happens or maybe that's, that's hard. Well, in some businesses it was and last April, like it was gone and you couldn't, you couldn't get rid of things. And, um, and, uh, yeah, your business was shut down so that we look at it with a totally different lens. Um, another example too, is like, just take, uh, your, your security, for example, again, like a, in commercial, the value of your, your building is tied up in the cash flow of like what that building, you know, what, like you look at it from a market value perspective, but unless there's a building on that property, it's not worth anything to you. And then in agriculture, so in other words, like bare land is worth nothing um, or very minimal to like the bank because there's so much speculation on it. But when it comes to agriculture land, bare land, bankers are just chomping at the bit because they're like, oh, that's, you know, bare land, no attachments. And uh, yeah, so, and it, it holds like a lot of value. So it is, it is a lot different from that perspective. And as well in terms of um, just your working capital, it seems like they, they take it, like take a inventory, for example, um, inventory in agriculture is pretty standard, but we, we look at inventory a lot more, uh, like with like with like a microscope and, and saying like oh like you know if like this you know what kind of margin do we do we lend against that inventory um, is it like raw materials what what is it and and things like that so it's it's a lot more um, maybe there's a lot more gray area I would say I wouldn't say it's any more complex because you send a commercial person into agriculture they don't know what the hell they're going to be doing but um but at the same time in commercial uh yeah it's just different mm -hmm. and then industries are different too um a mcdonald financing a, a new mcdonald's franchise is going to be a lot different than financing a, a trucking company so um yeah i guess i guess that's like the i i could probably talk about it for another hour but yeah that's that's sort of like the main differences i would say Lastly, is just the cash flow. Your cash flow in agriculture, it's not going to change that much 
um, over the shore, like it may be over two to three years, but it's not like, it's going to be pretty consistent um, or your, your income earning potential in commercial, you can make one or two changes and you could double your growth in, you know, two or three years. So it, your growth is a lot more, um, not exponential, but it, it grows at a faster pace. I could see that because really with agriculture, I think that, you know, as time gets, goes on, it make it becomes more and more difficult to cash flow new investments, right, or new purchases because the price of everything continues to go up for sure. So I think that's probably why you see maybe some younger farmers or newer farmers looking for some opportunities outside of agriculture as well with uh, some better cash flow opportunities. No, 100%. And like it's not all it's not all uh you know daisies and in, in you know in commercial and it's not like the grass is greener on the other side like yeah because um at the same token last april when there is fluctuations in the economy agriculture especially in um the ontario region i i i find anyways this is just my opinion it seems like it's fairly sheltered um from you know global like the global economy and it does provide consistent pretty consistent income to be honest and uh if as long as you know you you manage it consistently i guess that is a good point though you're right we didn't feel you know the, the repercussions of covid as much as a lot of other sectors so we're definitely fortunate in that regard um, I know that you guys have got, you know, some different uh, commercial businesses as part of your own operation. Are there any other commercial businesses that you have noticed uh, to be fairly um, successful that might be a good fit for, say, a cash crop or looking to branch out in their operation? Yeah, there. It is challenging. Like you, you do, you do see. Um, you do see some cash croppers going and, you know, getting into dry beans and, and, um, some marketing like that. And, uh, maybe like direct marketing some of their, yeah, some of their crops and things, but it, it, it's a fine line of being diversified because diversification does come at a cost as well. And if you want to be diversified, you want to make sure that your bed is made on on the other side as well and um in terms of yes yes you can like in the winter time there's certainly lots of uh opportunities probably to um you know do snow plowing if you wanted to uh with a contractor snow plowing has got it has got challenging just because of the insurance and getting into uh and and being able to obtain that insurance it, that that comes at a cost now and um but in yeah, you, you can definitely keep your tractors busy in the wintertime doing that. And um, also there is uh, green, you know, trucking opportunities as well. But a lot of times I find um, when I look at diverse like operations and there's, there's no fine, there's no middle ground with them. They either do very, very well or you get one that has got way too much on their plate. And sooner or later, you gotta, you, you do have to get a couple focuses because you know, you dip your toes in a, a few different ponds and you know, 
one of them or, you know, maybe only two of them are good for a swim. So yeah, don't, you don't have to do everything. And, um, but, and then a lot of the times there's, there's ways that you can restructure things with your own business to make it more profitable. Well, and that probably circles back to one of your earlier comments just about, you know, being able to delegate, right? If you're going to differentiate and get into a couple of different um, types of businesses to make sure that you can delegate to the appropriate people. So, mm-hmm. so bringing this back around full circle, because you are actively involved in your firm now, maybe what's one of the, the best things that your time at RBC um, has helped to contribute to your own farming operation? There is a couple things there. I don't think I can narrow it down to the best one. Um, the first one is probably just uh, the different the different people and the, the connections that I've made and some of the uh, the advisors or quote-unquote advisors I feel that I could reach out to now. I have the confidence in them and I know that they have the uh, confidentiality to keep, you know, to keep our, you know, my information and our, our family's information safe. And because, uh, you know, you do need an opinion time to time on some tough matters because they just don't, you, I, I, every day I, I, I call somebody at the bank and get their opinion on a, a deal or something like of that nature and just get their opinion. Cause one, one eyes or one set of eyes on things or your family's eyes on things is just not enough. And um, just to get a different point of view on things like that. The second, I guess, biggest thing would just be understanding how to obtain financing and um, setting things up in a way that's going to be advantageous for our operation, but then also beneficial for the bank when they, when you send them that package, it's not going to be a uh, a whole mess of documents that have uh, you know minimal meaning to them, or knowing what documents to send. I found on the agriculture when I was in agriculture, um, there was farms that had a lot of debt, and they just they would just send us their financial statements, and there's like no plan. Um, maybe in their head they have the plan, but Connecting that with your banker and your financial institution is, it is important because then they have an understanding of, of where you are going and maybe they have a different point of view on some adjustments you need to make in order to get there. Um, so yeah, the, that that's a big thing is just understanding on how to uh, how to build a puzzle and um, being able to give that to the bank. That's some awesome insight that people don't always have access, you know, to what their bankers are really thinking. So I love that that's some good, tangible advice to people, you know, just ways that they can help to better that partnership. And not only that, and it's the person that comes to your operation. Yes, they're, they, they represent, um, they represent the bank and, and what it and what they're providing, but when um, when your file gets adjudicated and reviewed, it goes to it gets going to multiple different um, different partners at the bank to review it and different levels. And you want to make sure that that picture 
that you're giving to your banker at the, wherever you have that meeting is being transferred up through that chain and up through that ladder. Because I, I do know that obviously if you, if you wanted to get a day job and something boring or not that creative or whatever you wanted to do, like farmers are very creative people and obviously they're telling that to their banker, but sometimes it's not getting up, up the chain and, you know, have it written down and, and have it uh, available so that it can be a document that is, um, yeah, that, that people doing probably some fairly decent uh, or important recommendations know that that's your plan. So um, that might not be sitting at your kitchen table with you. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. Well, man, you have given a lot of great advice today, you know, just uh, building integrity with your bank, knowing that that goes up the chain. Uh, a lot of good information on cash flow and some of the metrics that we're looking at. Is there any other pieces of advice that we've missed or anything else that you want to share with people listening today? Yes, I have one more big thing. Because awesome. it's a huge thing that always gets asked by clients and they wonder why or and how their interest rate is calculated. And I get this asked all the time by people. I'm asked, oh, uh, what's, what's, the Royal, what's the Royal Bank uh, doing for interest rates? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. Submit an application. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because all your interest rate is, it's based on your, your borrower risk rating. And, uh, you know, your, your risk rating as a, as a business, right? And you, you, and it doesn't matter where you go, a bank reviews your information and it looks over everything and, and it does assess, you know, um, like a, a risk to your business, right? And that's why you have to pay interest. If there is zero risk, then you get money for free. <laughs> or, you know, like there has to be a, there has to be a metric in order to, um, to base like your, uh, your, your business risk level because, you know, the, there's, um, how do I put this? If the lower risk, like the lower risk that your business is, the lower interest rate overall, like you're going to likely get offered. So that is why it's crucial to offer that complete package to the bank and to, you know, have a plan and, you know, risk minimization strategies, whether it's crop insurance, risk management program, hedging, you know, say those things to your banker. And um, yeah, because that all goes through the profile and on how you, uh, on how it ultimately your your interest rate is is calculated and it, it changes for for every borrower and um, for every client. So um, obviously there's a, there's there's a general standard, but um, yeah, you want you want to you want to make sure that you're you you're doing everything that you can to you know, try to try to reduce a cost on your farm that's fairly substantial on most farms. 
put the extra work in because it can literally save you money. Yeah, exactly. And that's, um, that is a big thing. And, and then, you know, the other big thing too is um, with banks and as a, as a client, you know, look at what kind of terms are being offered to you and, and just make sure that, you know, it fits with your business and what you're in and, and what, what's going to work for you. So a lot of times I see businesses they get, or even farms, like, you know, they borrow a bunch of money at five years and then two years down the road, they, they want to make a big change and there's, there's costs to breaking that, that five-year mortgage and things like that. So another, yeah, that's uh, another reason why planning is, is very important because those, um, the cost to do that are, can be potentially substantial. Well, that's awesome advice, Will. And, you know, a different aspect of the business that I don't always talk about or get to hear about all the time. And so I want to thank you so, so much for sharing all of that insight today. Yeah, no problem. I, uh, I like talking about banking, so thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more episodes, please subscribe. You can find updates to new episodes on my Twitter at prosperityag0l.